0: Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to The Daily with Sil Stein here on Anchor. I, for today, I'm going to recommend the books by author Lori Fontanes. Lori Fontaness has written two books. Um, she has uh, Phantoms of uh, Faucets out, if you're into the horror genre, and The Closet. I hope you will check out the books by Lori Fontanes. She is an author from West Virginia. She's a great friend. She's been on the podcast. So I hope you'll take the time to check out the books by Lori Fontanes. So Fontanese. And it's F-O-N-T-A-N-E-Z. So please check those out. So on another note, uh, for my author news, as I mentioned before, finally my book Chasing Clarity um, was uh, accepted into Amazon KDP and uh, I will be um, now, uh, I'll be ordering copies of the paperback and I was very pleased with the work that they did for it. Yes, you know, CreateSpace is migrating to Amazon KDP. So even if you haven't done that, you will have to migrate to the Amazon KDP. They do paperbacks there now and they also have, of course, the Kindle books. I've always done the Amazon KDP through kindle editions of the book but i had never done the paperback i was always through create space now amazon kdp also does paperbacks and i've migrated all my books to amazon kdp now and i'm really pleased with chasing clarity i was having difficulty and they did a magnificent job so if, if uh i hope you'll check that out as well but i'm really pleased that all my books are uh out now i can order copies to take hopefully put Chasing Clarity in the local library. I've already added uh, Closure and and the Diary of a Broken Father. They're in the Wake County library. So I hope you'll check those out. I'm working on book events for next year, hopefully. Um, And I'm also uh, working on my podcast to, you know, talk more about my book. And working on my thriller, Battered Mind, which will be out next year in the spring of 2019. I'm hoping by April. So I'll keep you all posted and I'll read some excerpts on it when I have a chance. Now, right now, we're going to start on the writing corner, but I'm going to uh, do the next segment on that. So we'll be right back. And welcome again to the Daily Whistle Stein here on Anchor. Happy Friday. back to the daily with Silstein here on Anchor. I went over books I recommend in the author's corner. My author news which is I'm working on my thriller for Battered Mind book events coming up next year and I finally have my book Chasing Clarity accepted through Amazon KDP as a paperback. All paperbacks are accepted. They're all on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, online. Uh, they're getting into some of the Barnes and Noble bookstores and um, right now all kindle editions of my book including barnes and noble online are all 99 cents so be sure to get your kindle edition or your digital copy of chasing clarity closure and the diary of a broken father and um, i do appreciate the reviews right now uh, closure has 42 reviews if you have read closure please leave a review it's always always appreciated Chasing Clarity is getting up there with reviews and the Diary of the Broken Father needs more reviews so I hope you'll read them and and leave a nice uh leave a review and I do appreciate all the support thank you very much guys and now we're gonna dive into I I really do appreciate everything you guys do thank you now we're gonna dive right into Stephen King on writing a memoir of the craft and I will start where I left off We were talking about um, research and the backstory. And the last thing I read to you guys was where he says, for every success, this is on page 228 of the book, for every successful writer of the factoid type, however, there are a hundred, perhaps even a thousand wannabes. Some publish, most not. On the whole, I think story belongs in front, but some research is inevitable. You think, you you shirk it at your peril in the spring of 1999 he says i drove from florida where my wife and i had wintered back to maine my second day on the road i stopped for gas at a little station just off the pennsylvania turnpike one of those amusingly antique places where a fellow still comes out pumps your gas and asks you how you're doing and who you like in the ncaa tournament I told this one as I was I told this one I was doing fine and I liked Duke in the tournament. Then I went around back to see the men's room or to use the men's room. There was a brawling stream full of snow melt beyond the station and when I came out of the men's I walked a little way down the slope which was littered with cast off tire rims and engine parts for a closer look at the water there were still patches of snow on the ground i slipped on one and started to slide down the embankment i grabbed a piece of someone's old engine block and stopped myself before i got fairly started but i realized as i got up that i'd fallen just right i could have slid all the way down in the stream and been swept away i found myself wondering had that happened how long It would have taken the gas station attendant to call the state police if my car, a brand new Lincoln Navigator, just continued to stand there in front of the pumps. By the time I got back up on the turnpike, I had two things, a wet ass, he writes, from my fall behind the mobile station, and a great idea for a story. We'll be right back with more. And welcome back to the daily with Sil Stein here on anchor, and we're going to go to the next segment. In it, a mysterious man in a black coat, likely not a human being at all, but some creature inexpertly, inexpertly disguised to look like one, abandons his vehicle in front of a small gas station in rural Pennsylvania. The vehicle looks like an old, but uh, old buick special from the late 50s but it's no more a buick than the guy in the black coat was a human being the vehicle falls into the hands of some state police officers working out of a fictional barracks in western pennsylvania 20 years or so later these cops tell the story of the buick to the grief stricken son of a state policeman who has been killed in the line of duty it was a grand idea and has developed into a strong novel about how we hand down our knowledge and our secrets. It's also a grim, grim and frightening story about an alien piece of machin- machinery that sometimes reaches out and swallows people whole. Of course, there were a few minor problems. The fact that I knew absolutely zilch about the Pennsylvania State Police, for one thing, but I didn't let any of that bother me. I simply made up all the stuff I didn't know. I could do that because I was writing with the door shut, writing only for myself and the ideal reader in my mind. My mental version of Tabby is rarely as prickly as my real life wife can be. And my daydreams usually applauds and urges me ever onward with shining eyes. On uh, one of the most memorable sessions took place in a fourth floor room of Boston's Elliot Hotel. Me sitting, me sitting at the desk by the window, writing about an autopsy on an alien, bat creature, while the Boston Marathon flowed exuberantly by just below me, and rooftop boomboxes blasted out dirty water by the Standals. There were a thousand people down there, down there below me in the streets, but not a single one in my room to be a party pooper and tell me I got this I got this derail wrong or the cops don't do things that way in western Pennsylvania so Nya 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 that's what he writes the novel is called From a Buick 8 has been set aside in a desk drawer since late May of 1999 when the first draft was finished work on it has been delayed by circumstances beyond my control, but eventually I hope and expect to spend a couple of weeks in Western Pennsylvania where I'd been given conditional permission to do some ride-alongs with the state police. The condition which seems eminently reasonable to me was that I make them look like meanies, maniacs, or idiots. Once I've done that, I should be able to correct the worst of my howlers and add some really nice detail work, and we'll be right back. And welcome back to the Daily with Silstein here on Anchor. We're talking about the writing tips section here on the Daily with Silstein on Anchor using the book by Stephen King on writing a memoir of the craft and now it says "He says once I've done that I should be able to correct the worst of my howlers and add some really nice detail work not much though he says research is backstory and the key word in backstory is back the tale I have to tell in Buick Gate has to do with monsters and secrets It is not a story about police procedure in western in Western Pennsylvania. What I'm looking for is nothing but a touch of various multitude, like the handful of spices you chunk into a good spaghetti sauce to really finish her off. That sense of reality is important in any work of fiction, but I think it is a particular it is particularly important in a story dealing with the abnormal or paranormal. Also enough details always assuming they are the correct ones can seem the can stem, sorry, the right of letters from picky ass readers who apparently live to tell writers that they messed up. The tone of these letters is unbearingly gleeful. That's what he says. When you step away from the right what you know rule Research becomes inevitable and it can add a lot to your story. Just don't end up with the tail wagging the dog. Remember that you are writing a novel, not a research paper. The story always comes first. I think that even James Missioner and Arthur Haley would have agreed with that. Okay. And then we says uh, the next segment uh, that I will read. I'm often asked if I think... The beginning writer, the beginning writer of fiction, can benefit from writing classes or seminars. Is what he says. The people who ask are all too often looking for a magic bullet, or a secret ingredient, or possibly Dumble's magic feather, none of which can be found in classrooms or at writing retreats, no matter how enticing the brochure, brochures may be. As for myself, I'm doubtful about writing classes, but not entirely against them. That's what he says. So, one last segment here. In T. Cora Hanson Boyle's wonderful, tragic, comic, tragic comic novel *East Disease*, there's a description of a writers' colony in the woods that struck me as fairly, as fairy tale perfect. Each attendee has his or her own little cabin where he or she supposedly spends the day writing. At noon, a waiter from the main lodge brings these fledgling Hemingways and and Cathers a box lunch and puts it on, on the front stoop of the cottage, very quietly puts it on the stoop so as not to disturb the creative trance of the cabin's occupant. One room of each cabin is the writing room. In the other is a cot for all the important afternoon nap, or perhaps for reviving bounce with one of the other attendees. In the evening all members of the colony gather in the lodge for dinner and an intoxicating conversation with the writers in residence. Later before a roaring fire in the parlor, marshmallows are are toasted, popcorn is pop, and wine, wine is drunk, and the stories of the colony attendees are read aloud and then critiqued, critiqued, and then he says, to me, this sounded like an absolutely enchanting, enchanted writing environment, I especially like the part about having your lunch left at the door deposited there as quietly as the tooth fairy deposits a quarter under a kid's pillow. I imagine it appealed because it's so far from my own experience where the creative flow is apt to be stopped at any moment by a message from my wife that the toilet is plugged up and would I, I try to fix it or a call from the office telling me that I'm in imminent danger of blowing yet another dental appointment. At times like that I'm sure all writers feel pretty much the same. No matter what their skill and success level, God, if only I were in the right writing environment with the right understanding people, I just know I could be penning my masterpiece. And we'll be right back with that. the daily with silstein here on anchor this will be our last segment for the writing uh, uh the writing tip section of the daily with silstein using the book stephen king on writing a memoir of the craft he continues by saying in truth i found that any day's routine interruptions and distractions don't much hurt a work in progress and may actually help it in some ways it is after all the dab of the grit the dab of grit that seeps into an oyster shell it makes the Pearl not Pearl making seminars with other oysters. And the larger the work looms in my day, the more it seems like an like an I have to instead of just an I wanna. The more problematic it can become. One serious problem with writers workshop is that I have to become becomes the rule. You didn't come after all to wander, lonely as a cloud, experiencing the beauty of the woods or the grandeur of the mountain. Mountains. You're supposed to be writing. Damn it! Only so that your colleagues will have something to critique as they toast their god. He says their uh, marshmallows there in the main lodge. When on the other hand, making sure the kid gets to his basketball camp on time is very bit as important as your work in progress there's a lot less pressure to produce and what about these critiques by the way how valuable are they not very in my experience sorry a lot of them are maddeningly vague i love the feeling of peter's story someone may say it had something a sense of i don't know There. A loving, kind of you know, I can I can't exactly describe that. Describe it. Other writing seminar jammies include. Gem. Uh, other writing seminar jammies include. I felt like the tone thing was just kind of you know, the characters. Character of Polly seemed pretty and much ster- stereo typical I love the imagery because I could use what he was talking about more or less perfectly and instead of pelting the these babbling idiots with their own freshly toasted marshmallows, everyone else sitting around the fire is often nodding and smiling and looking solemnly thoughtful. In too many cases, the teachers and writers and residents are nodding, smiling, and looking soundly, thoughtful, right along with them. It seems to occur too few of the attendees that if you have a feeling you just can't describe, you might just be, I don't know, kind of like my sense of it is that maybe I'm in the wrong class. Non-specific critiques won't help when you sit down to your second draft. It may hurt. Certainly none of the comments above above touch on the language of your piece or its narrative sense. These comments are just when offering no factual input at all. So we'll be right back with The Daily with Bill Stein here on Anchor for the wrap up. Happy Friday and welcome to the daily with Silstein here on anchor. And now, thank you for joining us today. And now it's time for the wrap up. As I mentioned, I did the author's corner. I discussed the book by Lori Fontenesse. Uh The book I recommended was Lori Fontanes. Shout out to her and her book, books: Books, of Phantoms, and the Closet. I think she has other anthologies there, but those are her solo books. Please check her out. It's Lori. Fontanes, uh, Faucets of Phantom, and also The Closet is her latest book. And don't forget to check out my sale on the, my Amazon Kindle and New Press books, uh, Closure, The Diary of a Broken Father, and Chasing Clarity. And we discussed Stephen King on writing a memoir of the craft. I went over pages 2... 29, 230, 231, and 232. And we'll we'll discuss more on Stephen King on writing a memoir of the craft. I hope you'll join us here on The Daily with Silstein here on Anchor. I hope you all have a happy, happy Friday. Thank you all for the support of my podcast. See you next time.